belong on a theme uh, concerning dads. And with God helping us this morning, I should like to speak to you on healing father wounds. Healing father wounds. I know that Father's Day is a day to celebrate, but people could celebrate a lot better if they could get healed from their father wounds. So with the Lord helping us, we want to examine uh, this issue that affects each and every one of us. As a text this morning, I've selected 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we are going to read verses 6 through 6, I mean 16, rather, through 18. Please feel free to join in reading in unison with me. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Did you hear verse 18? Let's read it again together. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning to take the word of God and to write it upon the tables of our hearts that your invitation to be our Father would become so personal and so real to each and every one of us. Be glorified through the ministry of your word. Let your word run swiftly today and accomplish the purpose for which you send it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, it was 11 years ago today, June 20th, 2010, that I stepped into this pulpit as your newly elected pastor and preached my first official sermon here. Of course, you had me preach here a few times before you voted on me, but then I was blessed on that one Sunday in the beginning of June where this church family voted unanimously that I should be accepted as the pastor. I wasn't planning on doing this, but those of you who were here that Sunday, could you stand? Come on, Sister Lucy, I know you were here. Yeah, come on, all the old timers. Okay, God bless you. Let's, let's thank God for them. The face of this congregation has changed, but uh, we're just so excited for this HSWC family. But on that first Sunday, I shared with you that I believed it was not coincidence or not happenstance that it would be on Father's Day, but it was providential and actually significant that my first official sermon here would be on this holiday. It became an opportunity for me to share our hearts with you as to what we believed God wanted to do in and through this church. And that was, and it continues to be, that it would see people walk into these doors and encounter God's love and experience the Father's embrace. That's what church is all about. And actually, that's what Christianity is all about. And I want you to know that that statement that we've just made, that I made 10, 11 years ago on that first Father's Day that we were here is not some cute cliche or 
some form of a marketing slogan. And while our church has changed a lot over these 11 years, even with a different name, our passion is for this divine encounter. And that passion will never change. It will never mitigate. It will never stop as long as we are your pastors in this church. It's our prayer that every time we meet together that whoever walks into these doors does not go through a church ritual or a religious experience, but they encounter the Father heart of God and experience his loving embrace. You can't know what living is until you've had that kind of encounter and that kind of embrace. This encounter is really so critical because life wounds us and we need healing. And that healing comes when we encounter the Father's love and experience his embrace. Now the earliest wounds that we experience in life are the wounds that have the most lasting impact upon us. And they are the wounds that we call father wounds. Psychologists tell us that the root of most every human dysfunction can be traced back to a wound that was inflicted by a father. Whether intentional or unintentional, that wound was inflicted and it has brought pain. Now, most wounds are inflicted by the absence of a father because the father is not there to do what he needs to do. And we know that we are living in a day and age where fatherlessness is increasing and has now actually reached epidemic proportions. We are told that 33% of all children are in homes today without biological fathers. The scourge of fatherlessness in our culture today is unprecedented. Listen to these sobering statistics. 81% of teen pregnancies come from fatherless homes. 71% of the male population in our prisons today are from fatherless homes. Children from fatherless homes are five times more likely to commit suicide, 32 times more likely to run away from home, 14 times more likely to commit rape, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Now, the focus of my message this morning is not upon this issue of fatherlessness, but rather upon the impact of how fathers can wound their children. And the greatest impact is the result of their absence. Because God created all of us with certain needs. They are deep needs of the human heart. And if those needs for love, for security, for protection, for provision are not met by dads whereby they are primarily to come, then people live with a wound in their heart. Their growth is stunted and sadly they go through life with a deep sadness for the lack of what they never received. It's interesting to notice that Jesus, the Son of God, in his flesh, needed the affirmation of his Father. Do you recall that after he was baptized, the Father spoke from heaven and said three things to Jesus that every child needs to hear from their Father. You're my son. You're my daughter. When they tell us that, that gives us our identity and a sense of knowing that we belong. The second thing is, I love you. You are personally 
intimately loved. I may love other people, but I love you individually, personally, and specifically. And thirdly, I'm pleased with you. Children need affirmation, and when their dads and moms affirm them, that strengthens their character and their ability to grow healthy and whole lives. And think about this, that Jesus heard these words from his father before he did one thing. We know he lived on the earth for 30 years. He lived in obscurity. They didn't know that Jesus was the son of God. He was the son of Mary and Joseph. But when he came on the scene and announced that he was the son of God, then he began his ministry. Then he did the works of the father. And sometimes we think that the only time we can affirm and love and uh, say the right things are when people do good things. But every person that is born has intrinsic worth and needs to know that they belong, that they are loved, and that they are affirmed. And so when we fail to receive this affirmation, our souls are wounded, and if there is no healing, we are doomed to live a life of pain and misery. Actually, these wounds will affect and impact every facet and aspect of your life. All of your interpersonal relationships, your marriage, your children, your destiny, most importantly, your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because if you had a dad who was mean and nasty, who did all the wrong things in raising you, you're going to have an awfully hard time to relate to God and in understanding that he is nothing like the dad who brought you up. And that is why being healed is so very important. Because obviously there is no relationship that is more important to us in this life than our relationship with God. Because without God, we just can't make it. Without God, without his friendship, without his leadership, without his lordship, we will never fulfill our destiny. We will never find fulfillment or purpose. We need him. I could search for all eternity long as we sang this morning. You will never find anyone like the Lord. And perhaps this morning, you're searching. Let that search end today when you come to realize and understand that Jesus is waiting for you to open your heart's door to him. And so it's my conviction this morning that all of us, in some ways, suffer from a father's womb to one degree or another, and because of it, the danger is it will skew our perception of God, and we can't allow that to happen. Well, what exactly is a father wound? I guess I should have given you this definition early on, but it's generally defined as pain that comes as the result of having a father who was unable to meet basic emotional needs in childhood. But it's a wound. And what is a wound? A wound is something that is unhealed. Maybe it was inflicted on you when you were three, four, five, ten, twelve. Now you're 50. But if that wound was never healed, it is still a wound. It brings pain and it brings suffering, and it is hindering you in your destiny and purpose in God. And so you go through life limping, and sadly, sadly, so many go to their graves having father wounds, never coming to the Father who is able to heal those wounds. Well, by and large, these wounds have mostly been called, of course, life inflicts us with woundings, 
They're not all from our Father, but the ones that impact us most severely are caused by our fathers and fit in one of the following categories. First, there are the tragic no-dads. That's the absentee father, but he's absent through no fault of his own. Either he developed cancer or something tragic happened that caused his absence. I grew up without having a dad for this reason. He was sick and he was institutionalized, so I grew up with a father wound because I did not have a dad in my life to do the job that every dad needs to do. So I am speaking to you this morning from the experience of having the pain of fatherlessness and missing out on the love of a father, the affirmation of a father, the identity that a father brings. Some of you perhaps here have had the experience of the tragic no dad in your situation. So you know what that is like. Then there is the terrible dad who is present, but at the same time, he's emotionally absent. He never told you that he loves you. And there's nothing more important to a child than hearing from their father's lips, I love you. And there's nothing more damaging than when the question is asked by the child in those, without articulating it, but they're showing you and they're asking you and they're crying out to you, Daddy, am I good enough? And that question goes unanswered and there's silence. This is the terrible dad who never protected you, never valued you. He was unapproachable. You had no relationship. You had no friendship. You had no trust. These are the fathers who are often unfaithful in their marriages. They contribute absolutely nothing to creating a happy, wholesome, and healthy household. Now, in this category of terrible dads, there are actually many levels and there's this extreme end of the spectrum where dads are tyrannical. They inflict physical abuse and sometimes even sexual abuse. I read this heartbreaking account by a man who, when he was a boy of only nine years old, had his dad put a loaded gun in his mouth and said, Son, do you know why I'm not pulling the trigger? It's because you're not worth the bullet. You talk about cutting that child's heart wide open and a wound that he had to live with until and hopefully allowed the father to bring healing to it. I think of Joyce Meyer who also represents that end of the spectrum She's now a world-famous evangelist that brings a message of hope and healing to the masses. But do you know how she grew up? She grew up in a home where her father repeatedly sexually molested her. The wound that was in her soul. And in her ministry, she talks about how the Lord brought healing. So I want you to know this morning that no matter how deep that wound is, God's love is deeper still. No matter how horrific the impact of that wound has been in your life, the blood of Jesus is more powerful still. Our heart aches for those who grew up with terrible dads. And I have to confess Though I've grieved for much of my life over not having a dad present, I'd much rather have had that scenario than have had a terrible dad in my life. Then there's that tough dad. You know those tough dads, those alpha males, those macho men. They're domineering, they're overbearing, they're always pushing. 
Their children are never good enough. They never do good enough. Why did you get a B plus? That should have been an A. Why did you get an A? That should have been an A plus. You know these dads, you always find them at the Little League games where they're screaming and hollering like little children because their sons and daughters aren't performing according to their standards and expectations. Tough dads who are hard on their kids, never affirming, always controlling. They're good at pointing out all the wrongs, never cut their kids any slack. And they do exactly what the Bible says and forbids. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. And then they wonder why when children become adults, they resent them. Then there's the tender dad. They're nice, but they don't take leadership. They're emotionally weak. They let other people run over them. They renege on their responsibility to lead in the home. That's the father's responsibility, to lead in the home. God has given dads that responsibility. They watch their family languishing and hurting. They do nothing, absolutely nothing to fix the problem. Now, the tender dad may be loved by everyone, or I should say liked, but they're not respected by anyone. Because when a man does not rise up to what he's called to be and to do, how can you respect that man? Finally, there's the terrific dad. He's not perfect, but he's terrific. He loves his children. He shows them love. He's emotionally present. He's protective. He's nurturing. He loves the Lord, and he's faithful to his marriage. But even the terrific dad, while he does the best job he knows how to do in his role as a dad, he is not perfect, and he's certainly no match for the heavenly father who alone knows how to perfectly parent us. Because even the terrific dad has the potential to inflict wounds on our souls. Because the reality is there are no perfect fathers on earth. There is only one perfect father, and that is God in heaven. So what happens to us when uh, these wounds are inflicted upon our souls? We start living lives that begin to manifest certain attitudes and behaviors that affect us. People with father wounds are soon enough clearly identifiable and as I go through some of these this morning, I don't want you to look around your family and say, oh, that's so-and-so. Or even husbands and wives, it's so easy to say, that's my wife's problem. That's my husband's problem. Let's all look into the mirror and say, is there any evidence possibly of this in my life? People with father wounds suffer with low self-esteem. Some people put on a big show and, you know, sometimes they hide their low self-esteem by being pompous and prideful, but it's all a cover because underneath all of that, there's really low self-esteem. But low self-esteem causes us to compare ourselves with everyone else. And guess what? We always come up short when we have a father wound. When we have a father wound, we're insecure and it manifests itself in so many ways. We become really touchy, easily offendable. You know, there's no place for offense in the lives of those who are disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, doesn't the scripture says, those that love the law of the Lord, nothing shall offend them. When we become so in love with God, with his word, when we understand our identity in Christ, then people could throw at us what they will. It might affect us. Wow, why did they do? But it's not going to crush us. It's not going to put us into the doldrums. Why did they say that? Why do they feel that way about me? 
that offends me. Father wounds, they hinder you from handling criticism. You become defensive. Father wounds result in us living life often in fear, in anger, in distrust. When you have a father wound, you couldn't trust your dad. So now you can't trust anyone. You're often in depression. Or you have a real propensity to fall into depression. And you gravitate to that place of self-pity because when you pity yourself, it makes you feel validated in why you're feeling the way you do. Because I have every right to feel this way. Because this happened to me and that happened to me and life isn't fair. Father wounds contribute to making you to become a control freak. Because you didn't have control in your childhood. And because you couldn't control your circumstances then, now you need to control everything. If you're a control freak today, chances are you're suffering with some kind of father wound. You need to prove your worth so you become performance driven. You become a workaholic. Those of you who know me know that I tend to be that way and it's the result of having a father wound. And sometimes I like to say, maybe it's because I worked at Cardone Industries for 26 years and Mr. Cardone, with whom I worked very closely, would drill into me, Paul, excellence in all things and all things to the glory of God. And some of you who work in this church will understand me better when you think my standards are a little too high. But isn't God worthy of our excellence? Isn't he worthy of our best performance? Isn't he worthy of our diligence? Isn't he worthy of us loving him and doing for him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, regardless of who sees, who doesn't see, who rewards if you do it under the radar screen, Jesus assures us that what is done in secret will be rewarded openly. Sometimes father wounds manifest in rebellion. You don't like authority. Why is there so much rancor against the police today? It's because there are father wounds and policemen represent authority. And it often results in reckless and careless living. People with father wounds shy away from intimacy. They don't want close relationships because they fear anyone coming into their life that may hurt them again. So they keep arm's length. They don't want to be transparent in any way. And finally, they look for love in all the wrong places. They expect and believe and hope and trust that entering into some kind of relationship where my heart is going to be filled with love, that I'll feel better about myself. Well, I've got news, a news flash for you. There is no human relationship that is going to heal that father wound in your heart. Some people feel if I can only get married, then it's going to be all better. If I can only have a boyfriend or girlfriend, that'll take care of it. A spouse indeed is a well from which we drink and are satisfied. But as one Christian counselor well said, a spouse is only a well, but God is the well. There are people that are having problems in their marriages today because they are seeking from their spouse what only God can bring. And it requires, first of all, a healing to take place in that heart that has been wounded because of a father who could not give what he needed to give. Hello out there. 
Can any of us identify? I'm not looking for amens or a show of hands, but I trust that some of this is resonating, not because I want you to be confronted with the pain of what you've been through, but I want you to be confronted with the healer, Abba Father, who is here today, who wants you to encounter his love and experience his embrace today to wash away the pain of what you are carrying in your heart today. And so what do we do? Instead of turning to the Father, we try other methods and other means of assuaging the pain and the hurt of our hearts. Pseudo-medications, but they only lead to what? Addiction, food, drugs, Alcohol, pornography, sexual addiction of every evil sort. It could even be something that might seem as innocent as TV. But you live with the pain, so you want to shut that pain off. You open the TV and you just watch it aimlessly. Or you scroll through Facebook or Instagram or whatever all of those social media platforms are, hour after hour after hour. Because if you stop, you're confronted with that pain. Something on the inside hurts and you've covered it over, covered it over, covered it over. You don't even know what it is. But you're trying to medicate that pain. But God wants to bring healing. And that prescription this morning, that path to a cure is possible for each and every one of us today. And the first step is that we must own our stuff. If you're unable to acknowledge that this really happened to you and caused these behaviors, nothing's ever going to change. Nothing will ever improve. Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you really, really want to get healed? You don't see it, but you're in bondage. You don't see it, but you're living a life of pain and sorrow. And God wants to, Jesus wanted to heal that man, but he had to know that he wanted to be healed. Could it be that we get so comfortable with our pain that we almost come to the place where we believe if I live without this pain, then life won't seem normal anymore. Well, it's not going to seem normal because God, when he comes on the scene, he brings change, he brings transformation, and he moves us from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We need to expose our wound and bring it to the Father. I think of Jesus when he said to the man with a palsied hand, Extend your hand. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had a palsied hand, I'd want to go through life somehow hiding that hand. I worked with a man who had such a hand, and I so admired him because he was able to live above that. And in fact, he was able to do things that I could never do. He was the greatest athlete. I mean, he could do anything. With one good hand and one palsied hand, he was just absolutely amazing and unbelievable. But so many of us go through life with that handicap and we're hiding it with that pain and we're covering it and we're medicating it. And Jesus is saying to you today, extend your hand. Show it to me. I want you to expose it because unless you expose your pain and your hurt, unless you come honestly before the Father and let him know what it is that is so deeply ingrained in your heart that causes you to have sleepless nights, and at the sound of maybe one word or some attitude, it triggers something. It's because there's a wound there that needs healed. And when you expose that wound, you're telling the Father, my way isn't working. My way has only been numbing the pain. 
My way is affecting other, infecting other areas of my life. But now I come to you, Abba Father. There's another step that we need to take before we can be healed. These wounds bring the feeling of bitterness and unforgiveness. And we shall never, ever be healed until we come to that place where we're able to forgive. Have you ever thought about this? Forgiveness is made up of two words, for and give. For means pre or before. And give is to take what is ours and give it to another. We need to give forgiveness before we ever get an apology. And sometimes you'll never get that apology. But you've made a decision in your heart where you said, I will forgive. And if you're sitting here this morning and saying, I can't forgive because they hurt me too deeply. I want you to know forgiveness is not predicated on how you feel. It is a choice and a decision you make regardless of your emotions. It's an act of the will. You feel that pain. It's real. It's there. But you still choose to forgive because you know that God says, if we don't forgive, then he cannot forgive us. And who of us has had inflicted upon our lives the kind of pain that Jesus had when he hung on that cross? How he was treated, how he was blasphemed, how he was mocked, how they put nails into his hands and into his feet, how they thrust the spear into his side. He was perfect. He was sinless. He never hurt a soul, but only did good everywhere he went, loving and healing and saving and forgiving. And yet, while he hung on that cross, he was able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I know some of us would have been saying, Father, vindicate me. Fire from heaven. Consume them. Do you remember those two disciples? When they confronted those who they felt were against their ministry, Jesus, shall we call down fire from heaven and have them consumed? And what did Jesus say? You know not what spirit you're of. And you know when we carry a bitter, unforgiving spirit, we don't recognize that the enemy has full sway in our hearts. When we've held on to hurts that have happened to us years and years and years ago and they still come up and we're still talking about them and we're still rehearsing the hurt and the pain that it brought to us. Your door is wide open to the strategy of the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. And you wonder why you're not getting that breakthrough. You wonder why things aren't going the way you expect them to. You know, the enemy, my wife always says this, he looks for the tiniest crack in our armor. And that's right where he will come in. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But how sad that we've opened the door to allow him to do that to us. Do you think God wants that to happen to us? He said, my son has come that you might have life. Zoe life, abundant life, full life, blessed life, happy life, joyful life, a life to be envied. But so many Christians don't have that life because the enemy is at work. And he's at work because we're, we've not allowed God to do what he needs to do in us because we're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Forgiveness says you wounded me and it was wrong, but I release you from my prerogative of demanding restitution. See, that, that's what unforgiveness is all about. You're waiting for restitution. You're waiting to be vindicated. 
you're, you're waiting for the right, the wrong to be made right. But we need to let go. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And we should take comfort, especially in the world in which we live today, where we are seeing so much wrong going on with impunity, so much evil taking place, so much lying and corruption taking place, and it seems like there's no judgment, there, there's, no, there's no justice. A day is coming when every wrong is going to be righted and every sin is going to be judged. Leave it in the hands of God. Be set free today. Because while you are waiting for restitution, you're the one that's drinking the poison that's killing you, not them. They're not feeling it. They know nothing about it. Finally, full healing only comes when we ask God to father us. All of us need to come home to Abba. There we run into his arms and we find his love, his unconditional love. Yeah, we've blown it, we've messed up, we've failed, we've faltered, we, we've screwed up in any number of ways. But God says, come just as you are. He will accept us. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? He was so messed up. He did his father so much wrong. But one day when he was in that pigsty and thinking that the servants in my dad's house are eating better food than I am, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you. Make me one of your servants. His dad was waiting on that porch, looking out that window, day after day after day. When is my son going to return home? And when he saw his son afar off, he took out of that house and ran to his son and threw his arms around him. Son, I've been waiting for you. Welcome home. And the son was waiting to say, but father, I've sinned. And before you could even get those words out of his mouth, the father is saying, kill the fatted calf. We're throwing a party. My son who was lost has now come home. Do you know why Jesus told that story? He said, that's a picture, a perfect picture of Abba Father. We could run away from him. We could do every evil in the book. We could live licentious, evil, lascivious lives. But when we make a decision to come back to Abba, his arms are wide open and he runs to meet us. That's why the scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Everything that we need, everything that we never received from our earthly fathers, that which God designed for us to have, that we're required to have in order to live whole and wonderful, fulfilled, happy lives. God makes available to us. Did you know that God is in direct competition with your mother and your father? He says it's time for you to give up on having them parent you. If you're still looking for your mom and dad to affirm you and love on you, and moms and dads should as long as they live, love and bless and affirm their children. You know, I know it's Father's Day, but you know what I'm rejoicing in today? That I have three sons, two biological and one through marriage, who all love God, are godly dads, they're dedicated to their families, they love their wives, they love their children, they set good examples. That's what I celebrate. And because actually I feel like I was a pretty lousy dad. I'm not even happy when they celebrate me and they say, Dad. See, I get real introspective and I see all the ways that I failed, but I'm so glad to know that my children have found Abba Father, who's the perfect dad. And you know what? Parents, all of us, 
Some have failed worse than others, but all of us are imperfect and our children need to be parented by a heavenly father. We are not always going to be there for them. They need a heavenly father, an intimate relationship, and a connection with God that is going to carry them through life. The reason why there are so many Christians who are forgiven but they're still broken because they've yet to encounter the love of the Father and experience his embrace. I'm going to close with some of the truest truths you will ever know. I want you to take these to the bank, and I want this to be a homework assignment because I haven't given you a lot of scripture this morning, but I want you to meditate on these scriptures. First of all, you have an Abba Father who adores you. I mean, think about that. This creator of the heaven and the earth, he adores you. Next slide, please. Then you have an Abba Father who has tattooed your name on the palm of his hand. Something that's tattooed is there permanently, never to be erased. God wants you to know he will never forget you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But he tells us in his word that our life is hid with Christ and God. You have an Abba Father who has chosen you. Before the foundation of the world was laid, he knew you and he chose you. If you are a Christian today, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you do that before this service is over, I want you to know that God knew you in eternity past and he wrote your name down in the Lamb's book of life assuring you eternal life forever and ever. He chose you. He calls you by name. You're just not one in a million. He knows you by name. He has numbered every hair on your head. His job's getting easier all the time with mine. And finally, Abba takes pleasure, and he delights in you. See, God doesn't put up with us. God doesn't say, oh, they're my children. You know, sometimes our kids get so ornery and rambunctious, and we say, well, they're our kids. We, what can we do? We just got to deal with it at the moment. God set his love upon us. We are his redeemed. He sings. He dances over me and over you. Can you wrap your mind around that? When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, can you understand that you have a heavenly father who is singing and dancing over you? He's madly in love with you. He wants to lavish you with more love. As we've been studying in that second prayer of Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, he wants you to know the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of his love, a love that is immeasurable, a love that is unfathomable. and as long as you live, he wants you to know it in ever-increasing measures. Is your heart open to receive it? These things that I've just related, if you have any other perception of God than what I've just shared with you, then that means that God is a lie. I choose to believe what the word of God says about who he is and what I mean to him. I want us to close this morning by singing a popular song that has a great message. It's called, I Run to the Father, some of us could identify with these words. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. So I run to the Father, and what happens? I fall into grace. 
I fall into forgiveness. I fall into mercy. I fall into his loving arms. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. I want to say to you today, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, there's no reason to wait any longer. Today is the day of salvation. The next verse says, my heart needs a surgeon. See, when we're wounded, what do we do? We go to the doctor. When you slice your hand or something happens, you, you need stitches. You, you go to the doctor so they could stitch you up. If it's really serious, the surgeon takes over. But they put you back together again. Well, your heavenly father is a surgeon. No matter how you've been wounded, how deeply you've been hurt, what pain has been inflicted upon your life, Jesus wants to take you into his operating room and fix you up and make you new and make you whole. My soul needs a friend. All of us are longing for love. All of us are longing for affirmation. All of us are longing for affection. We're looking for it from our friends, from our family, from our jobs. That's not true. It's not lasting. Only the Father can be that friend that will heal those wounds. So, what do we do? We run to the Father again and again and again. You know, today, I'm running to the Father again. Because healing Father wounds don't happen in an instant. It's like peeling an onion. That healing takes place in stages. But we need to allow those stages to take place. We need to submit to the Father's loving hand to heal that which has been wounded, to bind up that which is broken, to pour in the oil and the wine. And so I run to the Father again and again. Can we bow our heads in prayer this morning? And before we sing this song, I want to ask if there is anyone here today who's never accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that you understand that the Father is calling you and that you have a wounded heart and you want to run to him today. Just quickly lift your hand. I want to pray for you and with you. Anyone? Is there anyone here that could raise their hand with me and say, Pastor, I've had father wounds in my life, but I want Jesus to heal them all. I want to take any vestige of what is still left and allow him to bring healing. Thank you for your honesty. God sees your heart. He sees the cry of your heart today, and he's here to meet us. Let's stand together as we sing this song, and then we're going to pray.